This is the Macworld Podcast, episode 511 for June 8th, 2016. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Glenn Fleischman, a senior contributor at Macworld, and I am joined by Susie Oaks, executive editor of Macworld. Hello, Susie. Hi, Glenn. How are you? I'm good. And I, I think this episode, this is where people can get the 511 on, <laughs> wait, what's 311 I know, 911, 511 is... Is that the one you call when you want to know if you can dig a hole in your yard? That's right. It's we're missing pet I think line. That's eight one one around here. I don't Is know. It, I like the one ones. I like the. Um, have you had this issue where you have to remember someone's phone number and you realize you've never actually looked at the number? No. Why what? would I have to remember someone's phone number? Well, that's right. Well, you're at a phone like your fo- your bat phone battery goes. <laughs> I have nuts. like five phones. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying. I was driving somewhere. I was driving from an airport for like an hour or something or plus a few hours actually from one airport to a friend's house a couple years ago, and uh, I the my phone battery the car is rental car. And you, mm-hmm. do you have you had this issue in rental cars? Yes. You know, right. So the you the <laughs> so this car had this amazing combination of things. It had a nine volt connector slot, and I had a nine volt adapter, so I could you know use the inverter. Right. Uh, it had a USB slot, and it had uh, something else. None of them would charge. I'd plug it in, and it would say not supported device. Nothing would work. And so I'm running down phone battery. I'm driving, and I need the navigation because I'm driving around uh, Pennsylvania and Maryland and D.C. And it's so you know it's so confusing. Battery gets down, so I finally get to my friend's house, and their doorbell isn't working. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be tricky. My phone is dead. The doorbell's not working, and I'm like, and it's like ten at night. I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? I need to go find a Starbucks where I can plug in if one is open. And then I'm like, you just oh. start throwing your phone at their window. Yeah. And then I'm like, <laughs> I'm an idiot. I had a fully charged Macintosh and I hadn't thought about plugging my phone in to charge it. Or, and then finally, I think I plugged it in, it rebooted and I called, but I was like, oh, I'll make a Skype call from my Mac, but then I need to have a charged phone for so anyway. So in the end, it all worked out. You like hack your friend's Wi-Fi so you can call them on the Skype. Uh, and they lived in the back of a multi-unit Thing, so I'm banging on the door and they can't even. Or I didn't want to bang. You could have just set your car on fire. Well, they that would have come right option. out. I was in DC when nobody noticed. No, no, DC is too nice for that. No one would. People wouldn't notice. It, so. <laughs> I've never been. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, so- that happened to me once, but it was like five or six years ago. I think it was with my iPhone 3G. Like it ran out, and I was in a rental car on the way to like my parents' house, and they live in the boonies in Florida, like the middle of nowhere. It's ridiculous. Um, love you, mom. <laughs> but uh, the. So, yeah, my phone died, and then I had to call them from my husband's phone, oh, yeah. and I had to, like, recall my parents' Florida phone number from memory. And that was never my phone number. Like, they retired and moved down there long after I had left home. So, but somehow, somehow, my brain cells, like, were able to spit that number out, and I called my dad and got better directions because the uh, Google Maps or whatever it was at the time was not really working. They didn't have the turn-by-turn then. You were, it was kind of hard to... To what anyway, but it was a long time ago and it hasn't happened since. It's funny, it's such a common problem though, like just being able to charge your phone and use it for the purpose. Um, yeah, memory is great. I remember uh, the phone number of a woman I dated 25 years ago. Uh, I don't know the number of anybody who I know today because you don't need it. Yeah, they send, you, they send you a VCF card or some kind of iMessage thing and you're done. Uh, well, all right, so let's uh, this week's news. We've got some news we're going to talk about, then we'll get to uh, the Worldwide Developer Conference. WWDC is coming next week. And because of oh my timing, gosh, it's next week. It's next so week, I know out. it seems so far away. <laughs> and because of timing, we'll actually be uh, recording the podcast after the WWDC announcements. Often the timing is such that we record uh, or try to get the episode up like right as things are coming out. It's too, 
nuts. So this time we won't. Um, so let's start with some, uh, we got some brief roundup of things and a few, so a little housekeeping. Um, just in case you missed it and you own an iPad Pro, the 9.7 inch model, the iOS fix is out. Uh, as of a few days ago, after we recorded last week's episode. Also, if you were holding out, which I did for a while, I did not want to install 9.3.2 on any of my devices. So I'm like, look, if it bricks an iPad Pro, uh, I don't want to worry about having no phone it's or iPad. It's a bricka. See, it's a bricka. It's a bricka? It's, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm doing this old timey radio is that, a, is that a Philly accent? I can't. Yes. There you go. Uh, so if I it waited. it bricks in. one device, it'll brick any device. It's not safe. That's what I was, I had fear. I, I had was a like, dream that I chopped my iPad mini in half with like a really big like cleaver. Oh my God. <laughs> you wanted a smaller mini. You wanted a half size mini. And then I was mini. like, I can fix it. I can fix it. And then I'm like, no, I just cut it into two pieces. I can't fix it. <laughs> I'm going to have to buy a new one. And then I was really sad. And then I woke up. When's your next vacation scheduled? I know, <laughs> I'm not asking for any particular reason, but it sounds like. Uh, like June 24th. All oh, right. Good time. Yeah. Well, good timing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so that's fixed. And speaking of uh, speaking of the help that you desperately need, clearly, for your dreams, um, <laughs> Mac 911, uh, I've been writing the column for. That's not a very disturbing dream. Like, that's pretty mild. Oh, my God. Well, that's true. <laughs> Uh, I have the travel dreams. I hate the travel dreams. Oh. Can't get Do you ever have the one where like you're back in college and you're you're you, there's a final for a class, but you forgot you were in the class and you hadn't gone to any of the classes or read any of the books, but the finals like tomorrow. Yep, I'm 48 and I still have that dream on a regular basis. <laughs> it's it's a great stand-in for everything else. Uh, I can't help you with dreams, but uh, Mac 911. Uh, I've been writing the column for 15 months now. Do you ever something dream like that. that you're writing the Mac 911 column, I, and people I, are like, "How do I use iCloud Photo Library?" I do have that dream, and and people, and it's strange. It's a repetitive dream. People ask the same questions over and over. We get a lot of great questions to Mac 911 at MacWorld.com. Just pumping the address there for people who have questions. Uh, and a number of them are unique, but we do get a lot of questions. Typically, like one, often one line message, like, "I can't." Delete photos from my phone, uh, or this is grayed out, or um, you know, how do I uninstall Mac Keeper? Things like that. And instead of uh, <laughs> instead of me having fifty blurbs to email out, um, you know, I often point people to articles and so forth. Or sometimes, uh, you know, if it's a common question, uh, uh, you know, there's an auto reply on the account that will tell people, hey, here's where you go to find things. But uh, we just published a super fact of Mac nine one one answers that could be useful, dear listeners. You're probably uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are helping other people. That is my guess, is that a lot of listeners to this podcast are people who routinely are asked by other people for advice about how to do things. Uh, so this um, super vac, I'll put the URL in the show notes, is like is about, um, oh, I think it's probably the equivalent of 12 or 15 questions. And the most, they represent at least half, sometimes three quarters of the questions I get in a given week are things just related to, you know, photo deletion and management, uh, uh, issues about Apple IDs, some things about OS 10, like erasing a disk. I'm going to sell my computer. I want to erase it securely. How do I do that? Or I've, uh, I, my recovery partition is missing and I can't boot things like that. So we've written about a lot of this stuff in the last uh, year. So it's all up to date for El Capitan or iOS nine. And now I've summarized it and we'll put that link in, uh, I'll add that to the Mac nine one one blurb. So people have those questions, will be able to find it without waiting for an answer from yours truly. They can just go and get an index and and spot it. Um, so keep awesome. your more obscure questions are great. Someone asked the other day, I forget if I mentioned this on a previous podcast, about using, uh, they were in a doctor setting up, a, I don't know if they were the doctor or dentist or uh, setting one up for someone else. They wanted one computer, an iMac, but monitors and keyboards in three different adjacent offices. 
And that's a fun problem. So I wrote an answer to that. And, and then people wrote in and said, they should just buy three computers. I'm like, no, their point is they wanted one computer. Like, well, they should, they should use another computer. They should have three computers. And the other two should log in and use remote access. Like, no, they have an iMac. They have an iMac. They want to extend it. They don't want to spend thousands of dollars on additional computers. They want one computer. Um, I so. love questions like that. Like, how can I take the thing I already have and make it work harder, make it do more, make it, you know, just better. But I, I, I love the questions that are that deal with the stuff that you already have and not just, you know, yeah. I mean, going out and buying new stuff is like, that's a really easy answer. But there's also you know. the uh, somebody asked about uh, some a Bluetooth question about interference and devices. And I, I had a I wrote something. It's just up actually on MacWorld.com um, today and Tuesday. Uh because Apple, I was looking this up the other day, Bluetooth can technically support up to seven devices from a single host device like a Macintosh, right? Mm-hmm. Here's the funny thing. Apple's own support document, Bluetooth, says, well, maybe three or four. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, you know, I think Apple was mm-hmm. or still is on the board of directors of the Bluetooth SIG that makes the standard. You're like, huh. And I've interviewed a few months ago. I was talking to uh, one of the people at the Bluetooth SIG about um, – about some interference issues and, and common problems and solutions. And uh, and they said more or less the same thing. Like the spec is designed to be as broad and encompassing as possible, but there is reality. And they're very – and it's nice that they're actually acknowledged. You know, they're not saying, yes, you should always get seven. Sometimes devices uh, use more bandwidth than others or uh, there's just too much going on in the same spectral space to be able to support more. So that's that's useful. Uh, wanted to highlight also for listeners, uh, Susie Ken Siegel, who had worked um, – uh, with Steve Jobs, he was an outsider, but kind of an inside, outside guy. I say he was. Uh, I hope it's, it's either. It's, I'm going to say it's Siegel, not Seagal, because that's only the actor. Uh, he was the creative director of uh, TWBA Chiat Day. There's a long name. He uh, was the had, Don Draper to Steve Jobs's Conrad Hilton. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And he's got a new book uh, coming out called Think Simple. It, uh, it's coming out actually as we record this today, a uh, sequel to his book, Insanely Simple. And, and uh, Caitlin McGarry, um, staff writer at Macworld, did a great interview with him asking a lot of really interesting questions. And I can't wait to read uh, Ken's book because he's a really thoughtful observer of Apple. He's not one of those guys who was involved. You know, he didn't work in the company. He's not one of those guys who kind of now carps about everything Apple does or, well, when on my day they did, he really has – a, a good way of thinking about it. And he's not an Apple is doomed or Apple is perfect. It's, he has a lot of nuance and I, I really recommend his blog. Um, and I can't wait for you his book. Oh uh, yeah. I have to check out his blog. Uh, his, it's, he's written great. It's just, he, he has, um, he has a kind of nuance that we'll is more that. like a, let's say a Don Draper nuance. And you expect add people, you expect add people to be very, um, I don't know. You you want you don't not sure how much you're supposed to believe what they say because their job is creating a connection with people uh, that doesn't necessarily represent anything but the brand's intention, right? And I think he transcends that by both doing that but explaining how the magic works. Right? Yeah, and Apple's just they were you know they're so good at marketing, but that's not something that they do like all by themselves. I mean, they have these partners. But um, the you know it's it's about telling stories and it's about an emotional reaction and that's what Apple tries to do with its products. So 
So it makes sense that, you know, they've always been so creative with their with their advertising. And yeah, this was like a really close relationship. I mean, he talks about helping name the iMac and it's it's a it's a cool interview. And I'm definitely uh, looking forward to reading the book. I also like how the I, the little I era is over. It was a great question. Caitlin asked, is the little I era for Apple product names over? It's kind of like, yeah, it's on its way out. And, uh, since, you know, and again, if you were somebody who clutched the past, Ken would be like, well, it's a terrible thing. He's like, no, he's like, yeah, it's time's coming gone. He's got that recognition uh, of cycles that I think Jobs was great at. Uh, also wanted to highlight another thing. Um, this isn't all like, let's highlight things on Macworld.com. But these are things we think <laughs> that I think are, are, are good to You know, it's out. a really good site. <laughs> I've heard of this site. I visit it every day. Uh, Jason Snell, in his regular column, uh, this touched a nerve for me. He wrote about um, how he's actually gotten used to and, and the fourth generation Apple TV uh, and the Siri remote, but also not just gotten used to it, but it's improved. And I realized I was been using it uh, lately a lot more to watch some uh, TV and binge watching it. Well, binge watching a series as a parent, you remember what that means? That's where I watch one episode every two days. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's my binge watching. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's a show. Um, I'm watching The Magicians, which is on the Sci Fi Network, and um, which is a show that is, it's it's very interesting. I, I'm not sure, uh, the sci-fi is doing some interesting programming, but I'm using the sci-fi app. And um, the app is actually like a package around the Hulu app, more or less. And so it's got all the ads and all that. But I find myself uh, really much more delighted than I was the last time we really talked about the Apple TV. I think uh, they've made tiny changes. And I realize I use the Siri remote all the time. So I was trying to look something up. Uh, oh, I, was, <laughs> I wanted to show my younger son, uh, MC Hammer. You know, can't touch this. And so I, I, I was going to go, and I'm like, oh, I don't have the remote app on my iPhone app. And I pulled the Siri remote, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to type it in. And I'm like, oh, this little microphone there. And I hold down the microphone, and I button, and I say, um, you know, MC Hammer, blah, blah, blah. And it, and it came up perfectly. I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, I forget how good Siri is. And now they've – well, I don't know if now they've integrated it, but I remember to use it now, and it's a much better experience. Yeah, well, they they got rid of some of the early pain points, like Jason mentioned. Um, you know, right right out of the box, there was a bad experience trying to get all set up, and you only do that once. But you know, when it's a bad experience, you remember that because it was your first one. So uh, they fixed that with this um, dictation for you know you can um, dictate your your account names and passwords and stuff and get set up that way. Um, so I think I did that a couple times when they rolled out the feature, and then. Um, so the, the, there is the universal search that that it's shipped with, and they've expanded that to a couple more thing, a couple more um, you know apps. But um, the apps that don't have it, you can use that dictation to search. Yeah. And I was still spelling things out like a moron because I was spelling out you know my email address and my password, which aren't you know quite as easy to say. And I didn't trust Siri to remember you know like get them right, so I just spelled them out. But then I was spelling out like YouTube searches and stuff. And I saw my husband pick up the thing and just, you know, say like, yeah, uh -huh. MC Hammer into YouTube. And then there, you know, it worked that way. So, yes, it has gotten better. And I mean, we use it all the time because we're, you know, like you, we've cut the cord and that's 99% of our TV is watched through the Apple TV. There's still a few big apps missing, of course, Amazon. Um, Jeff Bezos mentioned, I think, at the code conference or one of those conferences. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, that he didn't think, like, the deal was favorable enough. Like, he wanted their player there, but it sounded like he wanted to be able to sell sell content, rent content, which is, you know, in direct competition with the iTunes store. And he also wanted to be able to sell, like, Prime subscriptions. Because, I mean, their, their app is sort of a hybrid between, you know, iTunes and Netflix. 
um, but they didn't want to have to pay the the thirty percent commission. And then I uncovered some stories, like I think uh, Peter Kafka had written that um, some, not all the the apps on the fourth gen Apple TV are paying that thirty percent commission. Like oh. some of them have, like Netflix and Hulu and maybe HBO might have like kind of sweetheart deals where they're only paying fifteen percent, and that's why there isn't like an upcharge if you subscribe through Netflix. Oh yeah, because fifteen percent is like is like a marketing charge. Like that's yeah. you know they're because Apple's eating the credit card processing, they're eating um, failed charges, mm-hmm. uh, customer support for making the app work. Uh, and then, like they get a, you know, they get the a little bit off the top, and so they get a commi- like a marketing commission. I thought that for a while, like when I was doing the magazine, Apple, it, it would have made sense to me if Apple got thirty percent if they were involved in marketing something. So the discovery came through them, uh, because any organization that's selling any kind of recurring anything, you're going to pay marketing in some way or another, unless you have a perfectly viral product, which you know you're. The Hamilton musical is like the only thing like that, right? Everything else, you're paying marketing fees and you factor that in. So like 30% to acquire someone you wouldn't get otherwise is great. But 15% would be totally acceptable, I think, to most organizations as a recurring fee to be on a platform and cover all of the associated costs and give a percentage. And so I think that's – I don't think Bezos is unreasonable – to ask for that period right, and also right. not unreasonable if other people are getting the deal too. That seems. Well, so, I mean, they have an iOS app that just doesn't sell anything. Like you mm-hmm. can log into your prime account. You can watch all the prime stuff. You can go to the browser and buy and rent stuff through the browser that then immediately shows up in the iOS app, but it is this little dance. And so, you know, obviously the Apple TV doesn't have a browser, doesn't need a browser, doesn't want a browser. So they would like to be able to sell stuff in the app. And that's probably the sticking point. But anyway, Amazon would be great. The other app I really want is Sling TV. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. That would be amazing. I, Sling I, could work without any uh, – That's not. A, is that a competitive thing, you, you think, or is it just a development issue? Like Sling has well, a – Well, they it. have the thing that it's rumored that Apple is doing, which is like, you know, the little package of channels yeah. that you can subscribe to. They have ESPN, which is, you know, ABC, which is Disney, which is Apple. Like they're – you know, they're not def- – you know – totally linked, but they're linked. So you know, Disney's always first to sign up with these Apple things. Um, so yeah, they're like, so Sling TV's kind of, I don't know if like that's what's keeping them off or if they're just like, we don't want to be on there yet. I don't know what the deal is with Sling TV, but that's another one I would like to get. But yeah, Jason's right. It's great. Um, he talked about the baseball package that I haven't gotten. I'm just due at the radio. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I'm, it's, I'm a, it's less, an awesome product. I'm, I'm a big fan. I'm much less frustrated with it. In fa- I mean, I, I actually now will pick up, in fact, just in the last two weeks, I pick up the Siri remote preferentially uh, so I don't have to you know, keep unlocking my phone or keep it awake and do the remote there. And the remote navigation in the phone app is kind of crummy, um, but it used to be better than all the irritation. I, I also wonder if they've adjusted through – I don't think I've had to do a firmware update in the Siri remote. I don't remember plugging it in to do that. Um, I haven't even charged the thing in like months. I think I'm finally getting to the point where I have to to plug it into charge to a lightning port. Uh, but uh, I wonder if in the software interaction with the Apple TV, if one of the updates actually tweaked how the Siri remote is sensitive because I find it It less, does. Yeah, because he, men- he mentioned that. Yeah. If you like pick it up and brush irritating. it now, it yeah. doesn't it doesn't register until you click it. Like I'm actually picking it up and brushing it, going like, why isn't it registering my brushes? And you have to like, kind of like Click it and then brush it. Oh, yeah, except <laughs> except I think the uh, Hulu package that Sci-Fi uses doesn't have that option. Oh, really? Yeah, because I accidentally that? brushed oh, or something I was using. It was the ITV. I forget. I did something where I brushed it and I was like, wait, it's not supposed to do that. And then I had a 
rewind to get to the right spot again. But that was uh, a third part. It wasn't an Apple app. It wasn't using a, you know, their in their uh, TV. Interesting. Or, yeah. yeah well, I mean, we use a lot of Netflix. I think Netflix did that, but I don't know. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to note which apps are doing. It's like it. he goes to the Apple TV because the experience is more elegant. It used to be it was when it was irritating in its first. Um, release and then for a bit, he you know you go to other things like I have a TV set that does Amazon TV or uh, Amazon Video rather and Netflix and I would switch to the Samsung TV to do Netflix, which is horrible, but I would do it right. Now I use Netflix on the Apple TV because the experience exceeded uh, the experience is now good enough that it exceeded the irritation I was having initially. Yeah. Do you ever use? I can't remember if you ever used the Fire TV because now I kind of want to go back and try my Fire TV again and see. Because I remember it was much more about like Apple's interfaces, about the apps, and the apps that are in the front row, like do you know the top row do show you content previews. Mm -hmm. But the Fire TV is all about content, like it just shows you content, content, content. And that's a little more, I feel like when I fire it up, like I already know what I want to watch, and Apple TV, like tends to keep it a couple more clicks in than the Fire TV. But I'm going to go back and look, and then I can compare their voice uh, control a little bit. I've used Fire Tablet, which is in similar in some ways, but not exactly, because obviously the interface okay. approach is different. Yeah, um, the Fire TV box is a, is a screamer. I'm it's loving really that fast. there's competition, though. It's like we're, you know, this is the thing is I feel like uh, whenever you hear people say, oh, you know, everybody likes Mac stuff as fanboys, and the fanboy thing is Apple can do no wrong, right? And and uh, you and I are always critiquing things. Yeah, like this I, stuff don't, like, I don't believe that at all. But that is a prevailing attitude. But I think the big thing is, like, uh, the counter to the fanboy argument is I like the approach Apple takes in a lot of cases, but I want them to have strong competition because I think they perform better and every company performs better when there is more in the marketplace and more choice. And I don't want Apple Absolutely. to have 90% of anything. And uh, so I'm kind of glad when that there's so many TV um, options and that Apple didn't sort of win. But now they have a strong – the Apple TV only evolved this way because there were strong competitors and Apple wanted to be in the space. They came out with something that's you know dramatically different uh, last fall. And um, and uh, it occupies a slightly different space than the others, I think, especially because of the storage it has. Uh, another, uh, before we, we've got a couple other things we want to talk about briefly before we get to the WWDC thing. One is Instagram. You can now post in iOS directly from a share sheet to Instagram, which is kind of a different bit of philosophy from, uh, from that app, which used to, it didn't entirely, but it largely required you to be in the app to post an image. Uh, are you a big Instagram user? Love Instagram. Yes. It's one of my most used apps. I, I love uh, the way in which you can see what other people – like I think in, you know Twitter is weird because it's, it's text with images mixed in at time. But I feel like it's such a um, – it's sort of a stilted thing. And if you follow celebrities or magazines or whatever, they're always promoting things. On Instagram, if I follow National Geographic, I'm getting awesome National Geographic photos. Mm-hmm. Or if I follow uh, Taylor Swift, I – you know – I like Taylor Swift as a as a human being more than I actually like her music. I just <laughs> she's so exuberant, and I feel like I don't know how genuine she is at all. But I just love these pictures of her hanging out with other people and just like you know pictures of her cat. And I'm like, this brings me more joy than <laughs> than it probably should. So I um, I follow her on Brittany Instagram. Is weirdly good at Instagram too. Oh, is that right? I just I, there's something about Instagram that I think if you follow, she the just right posts people, random things. Like she'll just post like these 
like it's it's not like you know you think like oh it's just another like kim kardashian account it's going to be a bunch of selfies and stuff but it's not like she's like taking pictures of things that she finds really interesting oh that's cool and it's like you're like wow okay i don't know yeah i like it it's more personal twitter is more promotional um twitter i feel like you know you're always got to like make a joke or you know you're always sort of got to be on Whereas Instagram, like, okay, it's like it's a very curated, you know, look at your life and people are like, oh, don't, you know, judge your your life against someone else's Instagram feed because that's like their highlights. You know, no (laughs) one's posting like when their kid threw up on them and their, you know, the car wouldn't start. But but yeah, like I I really like Instagram. I like Instagram, too, as like a launching pad, too, is I want to post a photo. I will go to Instagram and I don't even necessarily I don't I think only I don't know a couple hundred people who follow me on Instagram. Maybe it's not very much. I don't know what you're supposed to do to get. More, I, I don't. I don't need followers there. I don't need followers Mine's in general. Private. I don't even. Oh, there you accept go. followers. There. But I want. I use Instagram to post to other places. So if I take a photo, I like Instagram's editing tools. Uh, once they started allowing non-square photos, I liked it even better. And I will get it in shape there, and then I will post it to Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram because I have different people I know in different contexts. I like their editing tools too. Their filters end up looking nice. And then I like like the little vignette slider and all the little like tools in the edit. Yeah, they're getting pretty good. I have other photo editing tools in iOS. That would actually be a good uh, future topic uh, after WWDC. We could get uh, Jeff Carlson on, for instance, who's a kind of an expert yeah, on. I've got you like Snapseed and Nick, and you know, even the like, photo, I, Apple's you know, has a lot of good editing stuff in it now. But something about Instagram, I just keep coming back. Maybe it's just because I understand it because I use it a lot. But they, the photos end up looking pretty good. I don't do a lot of like I want to do more. Um, like you know, there's all these services that'll make like cute things out of them, oh. like prints to. Oh yeah. You know, like, they'll print it on glass or on wood or on metal or different kind of artsy things. And I haven't really gotten into that because my my idea is that Instagram. Um, the pictures end up being sort of low res. So I'm worried that, you know, some of these printing projects, like they say it's going to look fine, but I haven't, you know, really taken the plunge and I'm worried that it might not look so great. Cause the, like how many pixels are there? They're not that many when you export them. Right. Uh, that's a good question. Wait, how, anyway. in, the, in an Instagram export? Yeah. If you like save, you know, when you save the Instagram final picture to your camera oh, no, roll, it's full, like, um, it's full it's, resolution to my it's, understanding. It's, it's nice and big. It yeah, used I to compress it a lot, it right? Does that get better? It, well, I don't know. If you save it to photo roll or the, the local save to photo roll version, I believe is the same resolution. We can check that out. Oh, okay. uh, but when you export it to other services, it may resize it to uh, be more appropriate for those services like Twitter's dimensions or something. Yeah. Um, that's a really good question. There's a lot of services where you can just like sign in with your Instagram account and then take all those cute pictures you've been collecting for years yeah, yeah. and like do, you know, projecty kind of things with them, like a little flip book for your mom or whatever. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, I this this is a part of my contention, too, is the share sheet and um, Safari extensions that were introduced in iOS 8 and then became, you know, more fleshed out, I think, in iOS 9. These, to me, uh, I feel like it's the secret weapon of, um, you know, forget anything else. Like iOS 7 was... Flat the flattening, and it was kind of primitive in some ways, and there were a lot of stuff that was funky. iOS eight was a mature release, and nine was a was a improvement. But the share sheets and Safari extensions, iOS eight, I think transformed iOS. It yeah. completely changes. I use them constantly. They're incredible connective tissue. I mean, especially one uh, password and some other password apps are integrated, so you can fill in passwords without having to use Safari. And many programs like OnePassword in particular, but I think other as well, 
you know, if I use transmit uh, from panic to uh, do FTP and other file transfer, they let me use one password. They've, they've used uh, one password's uh, uh, SDK to let me invoke it directly, which is incredible. So, um, and Safari extensions, you know, not just the ad blocking stuff, which was controversial. There's other stuff like just being able to send Instagram without having to use some weird workaround, but just tap the share sheet for that. And it just pops it into uh, Instagram, sorry, to uh, Instapaper. Uh, so, oh yeah, that was a big improvement over that whole like bookmark thing that oh, it yeah, worked, yeah. but like setting it up was so tricky and they had to walk everyone through it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so I much think better it's great. Now. I think if folks haven't checked yeah, you out. You have workflows that have, you know, more than one app involved and that's kind of like what, you know, why computers are so great and why, you know, we use them because you can have tons of apps open and you're dragging stuff from one to the other and it's super convenient. And we never really had that on our phones and tablets until pretty recently oh, and yeah. like the share sheets really helped do that because you're like okay i've got some text a picture some content i send it to one app for editing i send it to another app for posting you know um i can pull um recipes off of like any you know recipe blog or whatever and send them like right to my paprika recipe app that i love mm. and then they're they're just in there and if it grabs it all it formats it nicely like it saves it i can look up by ingredients and all that fun stuff but i didn't have to you know copy and paste anything i didn't have to tap anything in it's just all connected kind of behind the scenes so i, I really like it I hope it's, that gets even better in iOS 10. Yeah, there's a lot of things they could do because there's uh, in some cases you need a shared place to do something as opposed to passing from one to the other. So, um, you know, you have a five megabyte book and you open it in Dropbox. It actually copies it to iBooks. It doesn't reference it. Uh, and um, there's a few other things. I know people have been talking a lot about being able to have kind of a, I don't know if it's like a shared sandbox space, but a way in which multiple apps, uh, you know, for instance, you want to record uh, audio while using Skype. And Skype doesn't offer that feature, so you want to be able to share the audio stream to another app that's working in the background to handle recording while you're having a Skype conversation. That's a podcaster's desire, but also useful for like doing conference calls or someone needs to record it so they can uh, you know, upload it to a company server for later people to listen to. Uh, that kind of thing would be useful, too. Um, let's see. A couple more pieces of news here. Uh, T-Mobile. Uh, those of you who are T-Mobile subscribers already know this. Those who are not, again, competition. Competition. Imagine if AT&T had this been able to buy T-Mobile. This is yeah. just straight up goofy. I mean, a lot of what T-Mobile does is goofy, but they've really, they're really getting out there this time. Well, this is, yeah, this is, they're appealing to the kids. Sort of. So I mean. <laughs> this is what they get. Any T-Mobile customer, right? I didn't see that. I'm sure there's restrictions yeah, or whatever. But. Prepaid or postpaid customer. I don't know what the other, what are you if you're not a prepaid or postpaid customer? Download an app called Free T-Mobile Tuesdays and you're going to get a free pizza from Domino's, like a medium pizza. You have to order it online and you have to go pick it up. Um, in-flight internet from GoGo, um, you get a, you get a share of T-Mobile stock. They're giving everyone some stock. Yeah, so like 45 um, bucks or something. Every Tuesday you can get a Wendy's Frosty and you can get a movie rental. And then they're doing other things too. Like this week, I think you, everyone gets a ticket to the movie Warcraft. Yeah, um, which no so, one's yeah. going to go see. It's cut. It's, it's. The, I had the, not even heard that there was the, a Warcraft movie. The advanced world, advanced word is this might be worse than uh, Battlefield Earth. Ooh. Uh-huh. So, yeah. This is the movie, by the way, this is the movie in which the character design um, for uh, for the orcs and other whatever, I don't know what creatures are, that are male, are really sophisticated and interesting. And for uh, uh. the female character, they put a green filter on them, basically, and put them in a bikini, you know, chain mail or something. 
<clears throat> some good comparisons online of that. So it's going to be great. But uh, yeah, let's you get, a, you get a free ticket to a movie that is going to be full of uh, empty seats. But yeah, That's they're going to do, you know, like wacky stuff like that. But every Tuesday, a free pizza and a Frosty. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's good for and you know. These are all launched in store. a big debate at our office and our Slack about you know, like, oh, that's such crappy pizza. But other places deliver for free. But well, this time the pizza's free. I'd go pick it up for free pizza. And there was there was much talking. So it's it, great, it definitely caused a buzz. My my retail my lack of retail knowledge tells me <laughs> that several I mean, people are telling because you have to go into Domino's. A lot of people don't know where their Domino's is near them. So this is going to yep. get people aware of it. Awareness. <laughs> What's that? Awareness. Aware- and then yeah. like, you Awareness. know, like your kids can never agree on what like freaking toppings to get, you know, and like you probably want some twisty bread or whatever, exactly. like cinnamon buy, gobs they're selling now. And You buy one soda with your free pizza and it covers the cost of that oh, pizza. Oh, the markup on soda is yeah, insane. So so, yeah. I think it's brilliant. But, you know, so T-Mobile, they, I feel like T-Mobile, so this is, they do these wacky things and these are obviously all aimed at like a really core, you know, 18 to 35 year old group that wants to get free Wendy's stuff and pizza. Although also one of the things that'll be included thinking is about seeing Warcraft <laughs> thinking about yeah, one hour free uh, in-flight from GoGo, which can cost, I think like 10, five bucks or 10 bucks depending on the device too. So that's Didn't actually. Didn't you just say that GoGo was like losing it though? They're on well, its way out. Yeah. We'll could talk about that. That'd be interesting. Another episode too is GoGo. We don't um, have to get into it now. <laughs> yeah. GoGo lost its contract with uh, American Airlines, uh, which is going all satellite with a different firm. But uh, yeah, we'll talk about that another time. But uh, so yeah, but T-Mobile. I mean, their big thing is they've pushed all these. I want to say uh, innovation uh, that that affects data plans. So the fact that you can go to Canada and Mexico and use your existing plan and not pay extra. That once you you know you run out of data uh, on a on a fixed plan and you get throttled, but you don't you know you're not paying overages. Like they push a lot get of to envelopes. stream without having to worry that your streaming is gonna you know lead you to right. get the, throttled. The rollover, everything they do isn't perfect, and the guy who runs it can be aggressive. Uh, you know, John Legere can be and he can be a pain in the patootie um, about trying to be super hip and leather jacket motorcycle riding, whatever. But they have pushed things. They've made AT and T and Verizon and to a lesser extent Sprint have to keep up with them and are acquiring customers. And they're in a position now where they're, you know, we talked about this months ago. Um, T-Mobile is not like a failing company, which it was for a while. It's acquiring customers, even with all the promotions and its approach, it's taking advantage of the fact that there's a huge margin in sell uh, that AT&T and Verizon are just putting in the bank, you know, getting a little back to the shareholders. T-Mobile is spending that margin to acquire customers. So it's not like going bankrupt offering this. It's just keeping its yeah. margins really thin. And that's great for consumers when companies compete. Hey, hey. They say they're trying to improve the network too, which, you know, you don't hear about a lot with AT&T, although I'm sure they are. Maybe T-Mobile is just better about bragging about it. But T-Mobile had to come from so far behind uh, yeah. for a long time. But now, uh, you know, there's still, I think Verizon still has the biggest footprint. AT&T is not far behind and Sprint and T-Mobile are less. So if you're in the wrong place or you're traveling frequently to places that doesn't have great coverage, it's an issue. But I think, you know, at this point, we're now at like every major city, medium-sized city, small city, and town are basically, uh, I think, have similar coverage. I sometimes hear issues about I don't really worry about, about coverage anymore. Yeah, I remember that was a big deal. Um, it's a big deal. Uh, last item, this is a little uh, self-promotion with, with Susie's kind permission. I just wrote uh, and produced uh, two books 
about Slack, the group messaging tool, group uh, discussion tool, uh, which we use at IGG, SMB, and C. IGG, SMB, and C for discussion. CSMB. CSMB. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. That's the name. It's totally okay. It's consumer small business. It's just a bunch of letters. It's, you know, this is the thing is, so I got interested in, you know, I'm an old fogey now and I've used a thousand different communications tools and productivity tools and job, you know, task tracking tools. And I use, you know, I'm still involved with groups that use Trello and uh, which I quite love. It's a very different purpose. Um, you know, we I need to you, ask you some questions about Trello. Oh, Tre- Trello is great. I'm so glad at one point it was kind of an idea and they posted it as a thing and it was free and we're like, please charge, please charge because we don't want this to go away. Um, but so Trello is like a task tracking uh, project yeah. and there's you know there's um uh, there's a lot of different systems for communicating in a group whether it's like you know private uh, you know function social group a business nonprofit organization a volunteer organization and um I've used so many and I was like Slack came out I'm like all right everyone's talking about it and I know I know Stuart Butterfield is the CEO um in passing he's not like a buddy or anything and uh because we used to be at the same conferences and he founded Flickr uh, with his uh, then wife back in the day. Oh, right. Um, and uh, and Stuart's an interesting guy. And I talked to him a few times when he was developing this video game called Glitch. And Glitch, unfortunately, did not go anywhere. But Slack was their internal messaging tool they developed while doing Glick, uh, Glitch. That's like Twitter. Exactly. It's exact. And so, and their backers are like, you know, we don't want you to shut up shop. We want you to take these this great idea and turn it into something else. And so they and they did. And I was like, oh, I don't want to learn another. Cool. I'm already and using. You're like, how different could it be, right? Yeah, exactly. Like that's it's what like, I thought too. It's like IRC, like internet how relay chat. How wrong we were! It is so much different, so much better. And they improve it all the time. It's multi-platform. They have a great responsive web app. So this isn't an advertisement. We were talking for- about connective tissue before. Like, holy cow! This is like the IFTTT for like work. Like it just combines all these different services. You can integrate it. You can have like your you know programming guys um, and gals uh, write you things, like write you you know bots and stuff. You can use um, IFTTT with it. There's an IFTTT integration, so you can use recipes in Slack. It's yeah, I mean, it's like a place where you can talk in channels by topic and have private chats as well with people one-on-one or in groups. But it's also it's like a file repository, but it also is it's a platform. So they they have bots, so you can have bots. You can say like, go get me lunch. There's some bots that do that. They'll say, where do you want to get lunch from? Like you know, I want to get Domino's pizza. Order me Domino's pizza. And if it can do it, if it's set up to do it, there's a bunch of interesting bots coming that will be backed by you know new modern AI software. So in Slack, you'll be able to ask for things like concierge-ish services. Some of them will be personal and some will be business-related. Like I need a chart that shows me the last 10 years of sales growth in America for our company. And a bot will say, great, I'll be right back. And it'll spit a chart out in your group. So, uh, so this is not an advertisement for Slack, partly because <laughs> Slack has a, is freemium. And uh, they their free version, most of the groups I'm in are actually free, um, where you can have like up to 10,000 members. Uh, it's a very interesting approach. They have, I think, a million paying users now and about 3 million total. Uh, and a lot of sports, uh, like sports clubs, um, like kids sports groups. I know um, there's families that set up a Slack because it works on every platform. So instead of using iMessage or texting, 
if you use Slack, Slack has mobile notifications that you can oh, enable. Yeah. So That's you can great. actually, right. So you can have people, if your family is like, between the, the, you know, the uh, Hatfields and McCoys, Android and iOS. The green bubble. Yeah. <laughs> you can, you can wind up and uh, using it there. And then it also has responsive web apps. So this sounds like an advertisement, but I'm not really advertising the product. It's more like, it's interesting it's just, to me. It's a lot more complex than it sounds. So people would be like, why, you know, why do I need a book to read a chat app? It's like, you know, to use a chat app, you really, it's, there's a lot going on. So it's one of those things with like, you know, with like one password or text expander or something where you're using it and you're loving it, but you're probably only using like 10% of its like total power. And if you just dig a little deeper with, you know, maybe some extra rating, you can find some new tricks that'll help you get a lot more done. Cause it's like kind of ridiculous how much it can get done. We've only, we've been using it for less than a year and it's, I'm, it's a really cool tool. Yeah, and I keep posting uh, Slack tips into the, uh, the shared room there, the shared IDG room. I'm like, Oh, yeah, you the know, one if- about editing your last one that oh, you yeah. just said the other day. That's up, huge. Yeah, hit the Tell up the arrow and it edits your immediately previous uh, message posted. Um, yeah. And you're, I mean, I think you're like me too. It's, it's like, I am tired of learning new software. Like I'm a cranky old guy. Don't make me switch to another system. And, and I find Slack is because it's kind of rooted in what I remember, like internet relay chat. It really is. Some people will look at Slack and say, it's IRC. Why does everyone make a big deal about it? It's like, well, it's IRC, but it's packaged in a really neat way. And there's things like with files and, you know, code and it's, it's code snippets. You can do collaborative editing and posts using something like Markdown. It's not really Markdown, but uh, the collaborative editing feature is really interesting. Um, And I think that's going to go places. But so I wrote a couple books. I wrote a book that's for end users who are like Susie and me who are like, Oh my God, do I have to learn another piece of software? You know, because a lot of people, what I was hearing, and this happened to me too. I mean, this happened to me with IDG. Uh, is you wake up one morning and you get an email that says, "Okay, we're switching to Slack," or "Hey, uh, remember we were using Product X, we're now using Slack," or "You've never used a tool like this before. Here's your invitation." That's where everything in the company or group is going to happen in the future. Um, so I kind of wrote this uh, "Take Control of Slack Basics" book for people like that, where you discovered you need to use Slack, but it's also good if you're using it and uh, you want to figure out. You know, I learned so much just delving into it, spending months researching. And then there's a complimentary book called Take Control of Slack Admin. That's if you're trying to set up a Slack team, which you can do, like I say, for free with up to 10,000 members in it. So um, there's plenty of groups that will never need to pay Slack a cent, which is cool. Uh, This book is for people who don't have an IT operation. So you're you're not an information technology person. You don't have IT consultants or department. This takes you through how to, you know, set it up and run it. So if you go to slackhelp.me. I got a great sweet URL. There's more information about the book, excerpts and links to buy it. And um, that is a good URL. I, you know, I looked around, just wanted something that's simple, simple to say like this, slackhelp.me. And, uh, you know, we also started, since this is the cool part, because you can set up free Slack groups. If you go to that URL, there's a link to a Slack group we set up. This is, um, the books are published by uh, Take Control uh, Publishing, which is a tidbits uh, publishing arm for those who remember tidbits. And um, where I also write, um, and we set up a free public Slack group. So there's an extension or, uh, uh, that you can get. Um, it's uh, an integration for Slack that lets you offer public invitations to Slack groups. So you can have, and there's now hundreds, maybe thousands. I haven't done all the tracking yet of groups like you're a Macintosh uh, admin. There's a Mac admin Slack group. And you don't have to install a Slack client if you don't want to. You can use the web app, which is responsive and works in every platform is great. 
or you can, if you're using Slack for other things, you add it as a team. Um, so the, the overhead is very low, but you don't have to like go to somebody and email them and say, I want to join the group. You actually go to a page and this is what we set up for our Slack discussion group for the books where people can just ask questions. Uh, you go to this page and you enter your email address and it sends you an invite. You follow the instruction, the invite, and you're a member of this free open team. Um, that I think has not been fully explored yet. I think we're going to see a lot more Slack teams because you can do it all in the web app and you don't have the burden of, um, you know, that's usually a threshold. If someone has to install an app, you can, and if you, the web app has a few limitations, but you don't have to. So you can do this entire process without installing an app or emailing anybody. You just do that. Uh, you know, a lot of groups are invitation only, um, but the ones that want to have members, you know, they will be, this is where. I think with social networks getting more complicated, I know a lot of people who I I know from Twitter have shifted conversation to mm -hmm. private groups. And some of them yep. use group messaging like iMessage or or WhatsApp, things like that. And others have set up with – if you have more than like five people, those are unwieldy. So you set up a Slack group for free and you invite your friends or colleagues and you use a Slack group. Yeah. No, I've seen that trend too. It's pretty fun. Yeah, I'm in like seven teams now, I think, and it can be- yeah, I had to cut it way down. I'm yeah. down to just basically work. Well, that's the thing. Is I, I, Some of them are for, I think three of them or four of them are for work and some of them are for side projects. And so some of them are very quiet. They're just like a group with, you know, like I say, uh, 10 friends um, and we don't use it very much, but it's like Facebook without having the, you know, the idea that Facebook owns your messages or is marketing at you. There's no, Absolutely, yeah. no, no advertising in private Slack groups. Anyway, thank you for letting me blurb this. I spent six sure. months working on this stuff and uh, yeah, I it's mean, like fun. You said, I mean, you might wake up and find your whole team moving there, but you <laughs> might like want to take your team in that direction. And these sound like this could be a good resource for you. And then, you know, it's, it's, since it is like a group thing and a social thing, it's fun to be that one in the Slack being like, by the way, guys, if you want to edit I your know, last thing, works. just press <laughs> up and you will look like the smartest person in your Slack. Slack. You'll master. know all the tricks. You'll be like, you know, putting emojis on stuff and posting GIFs and everyone will be like, Dang, look at that guy Slack. So Yeah, and it's, anyway. you know, Mac client is a uh, Mac client, iOS client and web for Mac users and Android and Windows 10, uh, Windows and uh, I think seven, I forget, eight, seven, seven, seven and Vista, not Vista, sorry, not Vista, <laughs> Windows 8 and 10, I think. Uh, so it's really broadly supported too. So it's not, I just love the lack of um, lock-in too because every Slack team, the team is the organizing structure is like its own website. So you don't have to like, it's not like Twitter where once you start talking to people on Twitter, you're locked in a Twitter system. It's like, you're only in that one group. And because you don't have to install an app necessarily, you're not tied in and Slack does import export of messages. So if somebody's a hip chat user or running a hip chat group, they can bring all that into Slack or you can export from Slack and move to another group messaging system too. So it's like the least lock-in of anything that I've seen like this too, which is rare. Usually companies want to, Rabbit. Yeah, I hope it stays like that. Yeah, well, there's a lot. They, they're making buck right now. They're I mean, a million very paying successful. users. Yeah, people are paying it. the equivalent of like uh, six or eight, depending if it's yearly or monthly, or I think it's like 16 or, or it's like the, the monthly rate is $8 or $16 per active user uh, in paid teams. And you can't have a mix of like free and paid people on a team. So, you know, there's some companies I know where Slack is actually one of their biggest expenses. So it's actually something to manage too, because they need the paid features. Um, all right. So let's move on to worldwide developer conference. Um, you know, everything is prediction. We don't know. Apple doesn't announce ahead of time what it's going to do, but at WWDC, they typically, you know, it's, it's a developer oriented event, 
with a little bit of a public focus in the keynote. And, um, but most of the event is structured around, okay, programmers, here's what the next year's roadmap is going to be. And it's, I think one of the only time, I mean, you know, very specifically, it's usually here's the next three or four months of what's coming and then kind of broader directions, like when they introduce Swift and things like that. Uh, and I think it's the one time when Apple is much more broadly expansive about what's coming. And over the years, they've really ratcheted down the non-disclosure part. You know, only a few years ago, developers who attended sessions were not allowed to say anything about what was going on inside them. And now I forget the exact terms, but you know, you can become a developer inexpensively. They're making the videos available online uh, more you know, almost not immediately, but pretty quickly um, because the event grew huge and there's so many people who can't come. They do a lottery for tickets to pay thousands of dollars to come to a very expensive city. Uh, so I feel like Apple is, this is the one time of year when they're expansive about what their broad plans are around operating systems and that encompasses hardware sometimes. Yeah, there isn't hardware a lot. And what, you know, people are saying there might there probably won't be a lot of hardware this year. Like, there's been hardware yeah. rumors, but they're all for like a little later. And it's going to be, I mean, they have so many OSs to go through now. Like my first WWC was almost 10 years ago in 2006. And they talked about, you know, that, yeah, they, they, they brought out the Mac Pro. It was the last in the, in the switch to Intel processors. And then they talked about OS 10 because the iPhone hadn't been announced yet. And that was it. So <laughs> that was great. And that was a lot. And we were stoked. But now it's like, okay, they have what four OSs. They have iOS, Mac OS 10, you know, whatever they rename it to, watch OS, TV OS. They've got all these kits, home kit, health kit, care kit, map kit, all the kits. Um, and there's just a lot. So for them to also bring out, um, you know, hardware, which just it's going to be a long show. So yeah, for, I, I mean, right. I'd be surprised if there was a lot of hardware, but there could be because there is this rumor about um, MacBook Pros with like an OLED kind of touch panel, I guess, above the keyboard. I just heard this last week. I don't know if I'm behind uh, the thing. It was after we recorded it, and I was like, oh, uh, I, I mean, you want a predictable place for a button. So if there's no, if unless there's haptic feedback or there's a a button underneath the touch thing? Like, how does that work where it's useful, where you have to look down and I read the know. display? I mean, like... It's hard for me to wrap my head around. I, don't, I can't really see it. It's Apple, so one hopes that they will do it better than they did the Siri remote, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, like, they, wouldn't, this is, <laughs> they wouldn't make it super awkward. Well, I mean, the Siri remote, it, the touch area has gotten better. Everything they've done has gotten better, but first pass, like, I don't want to, I don't want a touch panel that's as awkward as the first iteration of the Siri remotes, you know, firmware and hardware. And I expect that the Siri remote, I hope they revise it to make it better. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think a touch panel with a little haptics could be useful or with some defined areas for buttons or whatever. But if it's just a strip, I don't, you know, I'm a touch typist. And uh, when you switch context from program to program, are you going to use the buttons often enough? You remember that the context has changed or are you going to be thinking about the context of a different app? It's very complicated. So I'll be curious to see if this is a feature, how Apple navigates it in an Apple way. Uh, the other, uh, another thing that was talked about was a Thunderbolt display because Apple is way behind in its, uh, display technology for external monitors. And, um, 
it's one of those areas that feels like it's really languished. One of the most frequent Mac 911 questions I get about displays is, can I plug my 12-inch MacBook into a Thunderbolt monitor? And the answer is no. <laughs> oh, you cannot. And that is no. weird. Yeah. So, and, you know, they've got, thunder, I mean, there's these issues about like Thunderbolt 3 is shipping and, you know, it's going to be available and USB-C as a connector. And uh, the there's, I even hate, I get this question not all the time, but people have a Thunderbolt display uh, where if it if something goes wrong with the cord, you have to get an expensive repair if you can get it. And it's so heavy. If you didn't buy it, if you don't live near an Apple store, then you're stuck because it doesn't have a removable cord. It's an integral cord that's you know hardwired oh, into yeah, the display. It is. Yeah. I kind of hate that. They should, I'm hoping in a revision, it will actually ship with, it could actually have, um, you know, Thunderbolt or DisplayPort uh, inputs. And, uh, and it could have a single cable that's a combined cable with, um, I mean, it doesn't need that anymore. I'm sorry. It doesn't need that because the Thunderbolt display had a MagSafe um, a charging connector, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, as well as the um, uh, the the DisplayPort Thunderbolt uh, link. So a USB-C based one or one that could support multiple standards can run power over USB-C and video. So conceivably, you have one cable and maybe some kind of ports on the display itself. But um, – it's very awkward what it is now with the current lineup, and I hope they, uh, and especially that cable issue. So I'm hoping whatever comes. Uh, the rumor was it would be a 5K 5120 by 2880 pixel display, um, but it sounds like that would a require an internal GPU in the monitor, which isn't unreasonable. That could be that's not unaffordable for the cost that the monitor would be. It's kind of a good idea because so many of their you know laptops have like integrated graphics. Yeah, I mean, imagine the battery life you can. Well, I mean, sorry, you'd be plugged in when you're using a monitor. You're typically plugged in, but I just like the idea that you're not like uh, it's not battery life, but sorry, the the amount of heat and processing time that it takes inside a laptop. You know, having a higher performance GPU that's plugged into AC power, it just I think it makes the equation better for a monitor. Um, but it sounds like it's not going to happen at uh, WWC. It's not ready or whatever, but it's not, it hasn't been uh, the sources we're reading. It might it. take Thunderbolt 3. I don't think that's really ready yet, is yeah, it? Yeah, that's what and, we keep hearing. Yeah. I mean, I think these rumors come out and then people are like, well, what's the next event? It's WWC. I bet we'll see it at WWC. And it's a natural thing. We all do it. I've done it, but I don't think it's coming out at WWC. Yeah, I don't. I think it's probably too soon based on what we're hearing from all places. Uh, I'm the we talked last week about um, Apple putting out uh, seemingly leaking that it's got an Echo competitor coming, maybe kind of a new Apple TV or functions that will be added to it. It would have to know. be like an upgrade of the Apple TV, right? I mean, like it needs so. it needs better microphones. So maybe like I was thinking like okay, Amazon Echo has these little dots now that are sort of like auxiliary kind of microphones that you plug into other speakers. Maybe they could do something like that. But then I'm like, well, I'm sort of wearing like a Bluetooth microphone on my wrist all the time. Maybe they could use <laughs> that. Um, but you know, you don't want to have to require, you know, everyone to have all the gear just right, to, it has do to be standalone. these things. Yeah, so I don't know what they were going to do, but it would be very strange for them to be like, oh, and by the way, here's another Apple TV. Yeah, I, it seems Just too to early. Just to do this Echo thing. I, I don't understand know. if it was like, you know, a, a generic uh, AirPlay device could be uh, useful, I think, like um, something that was... Uh, they could add this, the microphones to the router. Um, that's also possible. 
Put a but speaker then, and microphones the, in the router. The router doesn't the router go. See, the thing is, when you have an echo, people put that in some place because of the speakers. They put it in, in like it. the kitchen, yeah, yeah where or you the can living hear room. It. Some place you don't have speakers already. Some place you're frequently at where you want to have a a, a hand free thing. So I can't figure. That's I can't why figure I was it skeptical out. about the Apple TV because the, like in the commercials for the Echo and the Google Home and stuff, they always show it in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's gathered around. The kids are doing their homework. How do you spell Columbus? Like all that stuff. <laughs> it's always in the kitchen. Like remind me to buy toothpaste. Well, and I Apple doesn't really make thing, speakers. But. They make you know they don't they make internal speakers in uh, laptops and computers, but they haven't made something with an external. Maybe I think what the, mon- the monitors have. I don't even know if it's bring back the iPod Hi-Fi. Exactly. <laughs> they probably have thinking. a bunch of them lying around. They can just mind. like uh, hack that somehow. Yeah. So I don't see how it, it doesn't. Amp- I went to a party once at a really like rich dude's house, and he had two iPods Hi-Fi. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Uh, but I mean, I could see, uh, I could see an echo like thing that was an extension that like using airplay, uh, connected everything using Apple's, you know, Wi-Fi extension. Maybe it was a base station, uh, plus it ex- connected to existing base stations. Um, I can see that, but I just can't picture what Apple's version of this would be like. It doesn't feel like Apple to have a standalone non computer device. Like the Apple TV is very functional. The watch is a computer. I mean, the Apple TV has to be plugged into other things. Uh, laptops, iOS and iPad or iPhone and iPad are computer devices. Like I just don't, it feels like a different thing philosophically from what Apple makes. So I'm really curious. It doesn't sound like we will hear, we will see that in any fashion at WWDC either, but who knows? Uh, sometimes they surprise us, given the number of leaks in the company. It's weird, but um, I think there will be some surprises this year. I think so too, because I don't feel like we're hearing that much that's interesting yet. So um, that would that would lean towards a uh, new base stations. The one other thing I think I've talked about that the last few weeks. There's a patent issue from a a, a university. Uh, there were some reports that all the Apple Airport base stations were pulled from Apple stores, which could happen because of a patent dispute, although that seems unlikely um, that they would pull them from sale because that doesn't save you money. You still owe the money for everything you sold before. So unless Apple was directly ready to release something different that they thought worked around a patent that they might have to pay money on, uh, that doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, sometimes if you pull stuff from sale when you're sued for a patent, there is a way to obviate some of the costs, but I don't I don't think that's what's going to go on there. So one of the ideas is maybe they pulled them because they've got new base stations coming out that will be announced at WWDC. But as we know from the past, Apple will sell stuff into the face of new products. So they don't stop selling their old model until the new one's for sale. And often they sell the old model as a marked down uh, alternative that costs, you know, $100 less or $50 less, whatever it is. So... I don't know. I'd be excited to see new base stations because Apple is very behind in a number of features uh, that would be useful in uh, a base station, um, including uh, Bluetooth-based setup. And uh, yeah, my colleagues at PC World and Tech High give me a hard time sometimes about insisting on only Apple base stations for my home network. But it's I just like the the little assistant, the airport assistant setup thing. It's the best. Oh yeah, yeah. I hate every other router configuration thing. I just, I don't want to know about all that stuff. Yep. I have, um, I've talked in the past. I mean, as a longtime Wi-Fi guy, I've been writing about and using Wi-Fi for a bazillion years. I have a, oh, what is it? TP-Link Archer C7 blah, 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 blah model. And um, it's not terrible, but I would never want any human being who is not somewhat technical and um, had some networking background to want to configure 
figure it. I mean, mm-hmm. you can do some. You can do some. And basic... I should be, you know, better at that than I am because I am somewhat technical. Uh, but it's, it's like I just don't even want to get into it. It just gives me a headache. But I hate the thing it. is, uh, you know, as Apple ecosystem users, we we typically barely have to deal with network stuff. And most, and I will also say, Thank Android heaven. users and Windows users barely have to deal with network setup either. So what's weird is on the operating system side, I feel like the use of um, DHCP and NAT, this sort of combination of assigning an address automatically and letting you use uh, private addresses in a network that the router just handles, like that basically works for most people most of the time in home situations and probably most or all small offices. And then when you get above that, you have an IT department and network administrators who deal with it. So for the vast majority of users, it includes you and me. I mean, I I have to remember things now because I'm like, oh my gosh, uh, you know, I'll get a Mac 911 question and someone will say, how do you configure such and such? I'm like, you know, I haven't had to do that in four years because it's been working this entire time without any configuration change. Yeah, so I'll dig just, into the settings like, oh, they changed that. They ah. So I think uh, it's actually not weird that it's – so I, I feel like there's a disconnect between the uh, router interfaces on a lot of products that have been out there in the market uh, and the knowledge that people need now to run networks without any help – Apple is in the right spot there. Google on hub is in the right place. There some of these newer devices, the, um, what is that called? The E, uh, I can't remember the E, whatever it's called. So three E's, whatever it is. There's some yes. newer devices that are expensive. They're at the Apple, uh, airport extreme price range of around $150, $200. They don't do anything really more that you need than a $80 router or $90 router, but they have that ease of configuration and automatic fixing of things when things go wrong and diagnostics and it's an apps, iOS or Android app that helps you configure. So we'll see. Maybe Apple will um, make it worthwhile. Um, so Susie, there are a couple things that we're pretty sure could be coming. Um, Siri SDK so that mm-hmm. developers can integrate Siri directly into their own iOS apps. And that would solve the alternative keyboards like the Google Gboard that I am in love with, uh, which can't do dictation right now. So that seems pretty likely from what we've heard. That would be amazing because, you know, Cortana and Alexa and Google Assistant, they all have these third-party integrations that let you do really cool things. And Apple, like, I mean, Siri will give you a lot of data from different sources. You know, she knows about sports, she knows about movies, that kind of stuff. But to actually get things done, you know, like get me a reservation at this, you know, at this restaurant, call me a car, send someone flowers, tell me my bank balance, like those kind of real results-driven things mm-hmm. where they're not just telling you something, they're actually doing something, that can only come once we get an SDK. So it's yeah. about time, it's past time. And I also feel like Apple benefits from that because they get extra billions of minutes of people talking that they can use to improve dictation. Yeah, uh, Siri's gotten better the more people use it, so. Yep, and you know, there's that rumor we talked about last week in the light of uh, Apple getting critiqued about its uh, investments and or the least exposure of what it's doing in AI, um, which would play into the, it's the you know, putative Apple car. It's going to play into a lot of stuff that's to come that they'd acquired a company that apparently is like out series Siri. That's, you know, it was kind of a puff story, I think, and saying like, hey, this company can, uh, uh, it needed much less training to produce much better results. That's great, whatever. But we haven't seen the fruits of that yet. And I think I've heard a lot of conversation. I listened to a lot of Apple podcasts besides ours and uh, <laughs> and the general consensus. There's other Apple podcasts? I know, it's terrifying. Uh, there's a lot of us out there. Uh, so um, the general consensus from people who are really dedicated uh, iPhone and uh, even watch Apple Watch users 
is that Siri has kind of lagged. Like it's not, you know, you, you pick oh, up Google yeah. now, you use some of these other alternatives and they're so much better. It's not that Siri is terrible, but it pales in comparison to some of what you can get from other products. So they, Siri really needs it's like a the kick. Apple TV is just getting leapfrogged. And, but the, I mean, I'm sure they're working on it and I I'm sure they, they, could, they could get it back. They just got to put it out. They're putting so. probably a billion dollars a year into it, given their research budget and it's the future. Uh, so, and you've also, one of your wish list items, we don't expect to see this, but maybe would, is Siri in Mac OS 10, maybe in the next release of Mac OS 10, they'll finally integrate it. Um, I forget who I was talking to. I think Merlin Mann was on uh, the, uh, uh, during Fireball, uh, the talk show podcast, and he would, I think it was him saying this. He was like, how is it that Siri isn't yet in Mac OS X this many years into Siri? Like, that just seems like a really weird omission. It's well, not it's like, like parts of it sort of are yeah, like dictation, Automator not... in the last, like in the last, uh, uh, in Yosemite, I think Automator got like yeah. some, you know, special voice commands. And but it's just, it's like, why isn't it, you know, they should have every great feature they have. It doesn't stop me from buying an iPhone if Siri is in a Mac. So I, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's hardware requirements, but again, if you can put it in an iPhone, you can put it in any Mac that can run uh, El Capitan. Yeah, I don't understand either. Uh, and, oh, and the other one is Apple Pay extensions, which we've been hearing about for a while. Um, and it sounds like this may come to fruition where uh, Apple will allow developers to incorporate in some way. I don't know. There's there's one uh, – it's been going on for a bit, like rumors and leaks that there will be person-to-person Apple Pay. So you'll be able to, in some fashion, maybe via iMessage, which is secure – uh, to the extent to which anything is secure, um, you'll be able to you know pay someone like with a Venmo style thing or a, a, a Square Cash style that transaction. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, would, I would do that a lot. I love that idea. It'd be great. And um, you know, but could you integrate that into an app? And that's the question. Will there be an SDK? So, or and also, will Apple Pay be available for websites to integrate so that I could pay? So I'd like to be able to go to like Target and pay for something there with Apple Pay from my phone. Like I want to go there and not punch in a credit card number, especially with Target. Uh, so target on, on your Mac street. and tell it your phone number. Why not? Or, of your... or something. Or maybe because there's an integration. Because then you can just enter the phone number of anyone with an iPhone. Well, no, no, no. But then I have to bring up. <laughs> but then it'll then the, the the charge comes up. I get my phone pops up and it says, "Hey, there's a charge coming in from Target for this amount in this place." But you know, and and oh, and it would have to ostensibly be integrated with Safari. I don't know if every browser could do it because you'd want to be able to check that the device you're on, the Mac should be a trusted device in the same trusted device set as your iPhone. And Apple's been pushing that for two-factor authentication and other purposes. So Right, another long- rumor is even that they'll let you unlock your Mac with right. your iPhone using the Touch ID. So that would lend itself very, if you right. can unlock your Mac, then you know like your Mac and your iPhone know they have a secure you know, thing and that could lead to yeah, Apple I'm, Pay. We, we've already established a trusted path, and I have to use my fingerprint. And then I'm not punching my credit card into the net. I don't. I don't want to send my credit card over the internet anymore. It sound, you know, you know Safari's like, do you want me to save your credit card? Like, I'm no. like, heck no, <laughs> yeah. no, no, I mean, no. But I do it, and we all do it. And I had two credit card numbers no, stolen earlier this year, and it was fortunately both companies, Chase and American Express, hopped on it, so I didn't lose anything. It was basically not a pain. They called me and like, hey, this isn't you, right? I'm like, yep. They're like, okay, new card's coming out. You know, tomorrow we'll FedEx you a card and uh, you're not responsible for anything. And then they yeah. followed through. So I use a few different shopping apps that have Apple Pay in the app and it's yeah. the best. I, know, I love I it. So I Starbucks now and Apple wants Ticketmaster, to mm-hmm. I think Grubhub, like a lot of them are letting me just, you know, it's so much fun. You tell you how much it is and you put your finger down and boom, you bought it. I love and those it, outfits, so. because it's physical goods, you don't pay. They're not paying 
getting 30%. They're only paying the normal credit card processing stuff they do through their network. So that's yeah. why they do it. So I would love the simplicity of Apple Pay without having to always use an app because I, you know, a lot of people are shopping. It's much, you know, I'd rather shop on a computer screen where I can see more and get blowups of photos and whatever. I'm weird. Yeah. First it was like mobile web, then it was apps. Now we're sort of like going back to like mobile web and bots. Um, yeah, it's people are, don't want to have to go to a, a different app for every store. Now you published a, uh, we won't go over all this because you wrote an article about it, but you published a wish list of things that uh, you'd like to see at WWC. And we talked about a couple of Siri uh, yeah, it's kind of Mac like a rumor and, roundup little thing. We're doing one every day uh, this week in the run-up to WWC. So Caitlin's going to write about um, tvOS and uh, watchOS. And our buddy Michael Simon is going to write about um, some hardware that we probably won't see, but boy, would we like to. And then um, the services whole arm of it, because that's a major thing for Apple these days. But the one thing I think the last thing we should talk about is macOS spelled there's the, is it going to be a lowercase m or an uppercase m i i think it's got to be uppercase m don't you for mac os no space you think they'll keep the 10 or the 11 that's the thing i'm more, uh, more interested in I will it be 10.12 or will they finally like I, it doesn't sound like it's going to be a big enough thing to go to 11 but you know ours the, goes the, the, to the, 11. Spinal, the spinal tap ours goes, there could be an advertising campaign they could get nigel out there nigel tufnell right and get him out there to and uh, yeah oh, i really like uh really like mac os 11 um, yeah, I don't know. I think they'll drop the X for sure. Yeah. But I wonder what they'll do it. Or they may, you know, they could restart the number and it could be Mac OS 1.0. That would be silly. They won't do that, will they? No. <laughs> nope. You say, all right. Like well, iOS is on 10 and Mac OS is yeah. on like two. I, like. I have to believe it's going to be capital Mac OS. Despite tvOS, watchOS, and iOS, I think the Mac is the name of the thing. What about the the California names? Because they all like you know that everything has like an internal code name. Like sometimes when nine to five Mac like talks about something, they're like, and internally it's code name this. And it's like it doesn't matter. Like no one's going to find out about that later. But I mean, like the Mac OS is the only one where it kind of like keeps you know a code name past its public release. I think they'll keep with it because it's too. It's 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 fun, good, and I yeah. want them to keep with it. But it's like if they're really going for consistency, every single other OS is just like OS name number, OS name number. So they could just you know do that, like Mac OS. Could just be Mac OS and a number would be would be no ten, no space, no place name. But it just feels like such a part of tradition, and I know they're not sentimental there. You know, if, even the fact that. Uh, if we were at Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs, you know, started the big cat name thing becoming public. It was under his tenure. And then they switched to, you know, California place names. They sort of ran out of cats, I guess. Uh, it was not going to be OS 10 dot, you know, nine civet, I guess, or something. Um, <laughs> uh, so, but they, uh, <laughs> there's only so many good cat names, but, uh, I feel like there's that sentimentality issue we talk about is Jobs is absolutely not sentimental. The past got thrown away and that was, we're done. We're moving on. You guys all cope because this is the right thing for for the company and for new users and and the direction. And so, you know, you got to wonder. I mean, it's a minor thing, but I agree. I like I like calling it El Capitan instead of OS 10. Uh, you know, I always say Mac OS 10 spaws you know, 10.11. That's kind of awkward. If it's just Mac OS 11, that's better, obviously. Um, yeah, do you like the OS space X space 10.11? So oh then like the God. 10's kind of in there twice. It feels like ATM machine. Who cares about 10.11 doesn't mean anything either. So it's like, yeah. So if it's just Mac OS 12 or whatever they call it, it's great. But I hope there's a place name. 
Uh, what are you yeah, voting for? Yeah, once we for, went uh, from 10.9 to 10.10, I was already oh a little God. uncomfortable just what? as like, you know, as a person who respects math. I'm like, that's not a new number. Like, I don't know. What's your, uh, what's your favorite uh, place name you want next? I mean, they did, they did Yosemite and then they did, they did Mavericks, which is, you know, popular uh, beach side. Uh, to Death Valley. Uh, yeah, weed. Topeka Canyon. I like Mac, I like Mac OS 11 or Mac OS 12, Topeka Canyon. It's very pretty I think there. they already made this joke on stage, but definitely weed. Weed. <laughs> Fresno. That's, that joke is for Mac, uh, for uh, Matthew Panzerino. Uh, <laughs> Temecula. 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 It's a beautiful uh, uh Well, folks, I think we've run out of our steam. So we're going to close off this episode and say we'll be back next week with uh, our WWDC coverage. You'll find the coverage on day of event, including a live blog, live blogging at uh, macworld.com. Uh, then we'll be filing our news stories that day on Monday and uh, on uh, whatever day that is. That's June 12th. Is that right? Uh, uh, the keynote is on Monday, June 13th. June 13th. Sorry, I can't keep track of what day of the week it is. Can I? It's okay. That's uh, what I'm here for. June 13th. And then we'll be recording the next day and, uh, and catching up on, uh, on what we've learned, analyzing it, and you'll, you'll hear the results. Uh, so find us at Macworld.com. You can email us, podcast at Macworld.com. Find us on the Twitter machine. I'm at Glenn F, G-L-E-N-N-F, like Frank. Susie is at S-F, Suze, S-F-S-O-O-Z, like Zed. And we look forward to hearing from you. It's great to get your feedback, and we use it to shape the kinds of things we talk about. So if you've listened this far, the secret word is Groucho Marx. Uh, and Susie, if you have listened this far, tweet me if you want to come to the WWC oh, party. We did get one tweet last week, so shout out to Kim for listening all the way to the end of the Easter podcast. Egg. Yeah, so if you want to get a party. excited that you're coming to the party. We should be giving out special coupons at the end of each episode just to keep people tuned in. Uh, and uh, so uh, I guess that's the end of your So Susie, No purchase thanks. necessary. No salesman will call. That's right, exactly. Not valid in any state. Susie, great to talk to you again. Yes, you as always, um, amazing to talk to. Delightful, and I have been Andrew Glenn Fleischman, a senior contributor here at Macworld, and this has been the Macworld podcast for June eighth, two thousand sixteen, episode number five one one. And we'll look forward to talking with you again next week. <laughs>